You're listening to Widely Connected, a series of podcasts on tech, law, and policy. In each podcast, technology-focused lawyers at Wiley Ryan, a Washington, D.C. law firm, break down innovation and law with a uniquely D.C. perspective. Today's episode features Matt Gardner and Vesna harasik yaksik discussing the Supreme Court's recent decision in Carpenter versus the United States and its implications on telecommunications providers, ISPs, and other IoT industry companies. Welcome to Wiley Connected. I'm Matt Gardner. And I'm Vesna harasik yaksik And today we're going to be talking about United States v. Carpenter the recent Supreme Court case that extended Fourth Amendment protections to at least some data held by third parties like telecommunications companies, ISPs, and IoT companies. So, Vesna, this case has the potential to significantly impact how some companies that hold people's data interact with law enforcement. And we're going to talk about that uh, towards the end. But first, let's start with the facts of this case. What was this case actually about? So this case was a bank robbery case, and in 2011, the FBI suspected that Mr. Carpenter, among others, had robbed a string of Radio Shacks and T-Mobile stores in the Detroit, Michigan area. So the FBI and prosecutors actually obtained a 2703D order to obtain certain information to prove the case against Mr. Carpenter. Got it. So why don't you explain for a minute, what's a 2703D order? Sure. So prosecutors call it a 2703D order, but it actually comes from 18 U.S.C. Section 2703D, which is part of the Electronic Communications Privacy Act, or ECPA. But typically, these are used in a lot of different ways by prosecutors as a preliminary investigative technique. So this differs from a warrant. Warrants require probable cause, but a 2703D order is actually a lower standard that requires only that the government show, quote, specific and articulable facts that the information sought is relevant to an ongoing criminal investigation. And how did the prosecutors use the 2703D order in this case? So in this case, the FBI actually issued a 2703D order to both Metro PCS and Sprint, which were Mr. Carpenter's wireless carriers, and they were specifically seeking cell site tower information for Mr. Carpenter's cell phone for the four-month period in which the robberies had occurred. And this is actually a technique that prosecutors use often in their investigations because this information can help you prove that a particular suspect was in the vicinity or close to the scene of the crime at that time. And that's because their cell phone would ping off or register with the nearest cell tower. Is that right? Right. I had a case that was very similar to U.S. v. Carpenter when I was a prosecutor in San Diego uh, years ago. Um, It was a bank robbery. There was a series of bank robberies in the greater San Diego area. And we used the 2703D order to get historical call or cell site records for a suspect's phone number for a period of several months. And the cell tower records showed that the suspect's cell phone was in the area of the bank during the robberies. It also showed that after the robberies, he traveled from the banks to a casino. It was the Golden Acorn Casino, which is right on the U.S.-Mexican border. And after he spent some time in the casino, he traveled south into Mexico. In my case, it was really important information because we were able to connect him to the robberies. And we also worked with the casino to identify him and learn other information about it. Uh, In a lot of ways, it broke that case open. So my question for you is, after U.S. v. Carpenter, would that kind of 2703D order be constitutional? It would not be constitutional. Carpenter actually held that the 2703D order in that case violated the Fourth Amendment. And 
Additionally, the court held that individuals have a reasonable expectation of privacy and location information that can be derived from months of cell tower records. They stated specifically that such information can provide so much information about your personal life to the government, and in doing so, the court actually created an exception to the well-established third-party doctrine. Got it. So why don't you explain for that about that for a moment? What is the third-party doctrine? Sure. So in order for the Fourth Amendment protections to apply, a person must have a reasonable expectation of privacy in the property or the data to be searched. And in a long line of Supreme Court cases, the court has held that a person does not have an expectation of privacy and information that they voluntarily hand over to a third party. So the best example of this would be when an individual dials a phone number. That individual is providing the phone number to a third party, namely the phone company that completes the call. Traditionally, under the third party doctrine, people don't have a Fourth Amendment expectation of privacy in the numbers that they dial because they gave those numbers to the phone company. And so the third party doctrine would allow law enforcement to get these numbers without a warrant based on probable cause. And so that's the kind of information that prosecutors for years now have used uh, 2703D orders to get. Is that right? Right. And now going forward, um, are prosecutors going to be able to get months worth of cell tower information with just a 2703D order? They won't be able to. They need to get a warrant now supported by probable cause. And like we said before, that's a higher standard than the 2703D order that was at issue in Carpenter. You spoke earlier about uh, an individual's expectation of privacy in this this data. Can you talk more about that? What did the court say about digital privacy? So the court said a few important things. I'll note two of them. In limiting the third-party doctrine, the court actually acknowledged that the transmission of data in the digital age reveals a wealth of information about an individual's personal life, where they go, who they associate with, just so much information. But the court also said that participation in digital technologies is a necessity of modern-day life. So an individual should not be held to have waived his or her reasonable expectation of privacy just because he or she participates in this technology, which in this case was owning a cell phone. And do you see this case, the Carpenter case, as being kind of a standalone case, or is this part of a larger trend with the Supreme Court and digital privacy? This appears to be part of a of a trend. Carpenter is really the third recent case where the court has expressed its willingness to expand Fourth Amendment principles and adopt a flexible approach to protecting digital information. So in United States versus Jones, for example, the Supreme Court limited the government's ability to use a GPS device to track an individual's movements. And then later on in Riley versus California, the Supreme Court declined to extend the search incident to arrest doctrine, which is an exception to the warrant requirement. They declined to extend that to cell phone searches. And they stated that the storage capacity of a cell phone allows it to gather so much information in one small device, and that reveals more in that one device than any other isolated record. I think that taking all of these cases together, that signifies that the court believes that the Fourth Amendment provides a very strong check on law enforcement when it comes to the collection of digital information. What do the court and Carpenter say about the scope of this ruling? Is this going to have an effect beyond 2703D orders and cell tower information? The court was actually really careful to limit the holding they limited it only to cell site location information. But certainly, lower courts will have to sort out how they're going to handle other similar situations, especially now that the court has limited the third-party doctrine. Law enforcement is going to have to adjust to this ruling, and they're likely going to have to adjust their tactics in some cases. Now, switching gears a bit, 
My question for you, Matt, is based on your experience, how do you think companies that hold data like telecommunications companies, ISPs and IoT companies, how do you think they're going to react to this? I think this is an area where companies would be prudent to give some thought now that the third party doctrine has at least some exceptions. First, as an initial matter, um, I would not expect for the FBI to use 2703D orders for extended historical cell site information um, after Carpenter. So the exact uh, technique that was used in Carpenter, I wouldn't expect to see again. Hopefully that won't be an issue going forward. Right. I don't think that's going to be an issue either. But many IoT devices can easily track location information through GPS, for example. This information won't be cell tower information like was at issue in the Carpenter decision. But how should companies respond to law enforcement requests like that? So for 2703D orders or subpoenas, the request location information, I think companies are going to have to be very cautious in how they respond. Although Carpenter was, as it said, confined to the facts before it, the logic of the case and the exception to the third-party doctrine may easily apply to IoT devices, for instance, to track location information through GPS. And how should companies handle emergency requests? So in other words... If the government hasn't had time to obtain a warrant or a 2703D order, what should a company do about that? That is a place where I think that there's a lot of clarity here. The court and Carpenter made it clear that emergency requests can still be processed normally. In other words, when the government represents to an uh, ISP or an IoT company that it needs location information on an emergency basis and it provides a sufficient um, basis for that emergency, then the ISP or IoT device company can hand over that location information um, without a warrant. That's a well-established exception to the warrant requirement. And so for the most part, that uh, in those situations, they can be processed normally. And my final question for you before we wrap up, what about the harder cases where application of Carpenter and the Fourth Amendment isn't as clear? The starting point for those cases will be that the Stored Communications Act provides that companies will be immune from liability for responding in good faith to facially valid legal process served by law enforcement. And that makes sense. Companies aren't in a position to evaluate the constitutionality of valid legal process, especially since in most cases, they won't have access to the affidavit or supporting papers that the government produced to the court to get the order or the warrant in question. So if a company complies with a facially valid court order, it's not going to be held liable if the order is later found to be unconstitutional because of, for example, an issue within the affidavit. What's going to be interesting is to see how courts apply Carpenter to other information, like IoT devices that utilize facial recognition software. While those questions are, are unclear at this point, one can imagine that companies that want to take an aggressive privacy approach may use Carpenter to do so and to push back on certain requests from law enforcement. Going forward, we'll be monitoring statements by the Department of Justice and the Computer Crimes and Intellectual Property section on the use of 2703D orders after Carpenter. We're also going to be monitoring lower court decisions as they interpret the scope of the Fourth Amendment rights at issue in Carpenter. So we'll be back for more updates as we get greater clarity on these issues. So stay tuned and thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in to the Widely Connected podcast brought to you by the attorneys at Wiley Rhine LLP. If you enjoyed this episode of Wiley Connected, we encourage you to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For additional resources and materials, head over to wileyconnect.com. Thank you for listening. 
The views, information, or opinions expressed during the series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Wiley Ryan LLP and its employees. The material contained in this podcast is not intended to be and is not considered to be legal advice. Transmission is not intended to create, and receipt does not establish an attorney-client relationship.